0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. Kugahane, Kugahane is the uh, text number, as you know, Joe at RT.ie from anywhere in the world. And um, the, the hunt is on, or the search is on, or the feverish search is on for accommodation for uh, uh, Ukrainian uh, uh, refugees and migrants from other countries. Aidan Farrell, Aidan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. What do you want to offer the government? Well, Joe, I have a number of properties, including a hotel. Okay. Which I first of all offered to the Department of Children back on the 9th of October, 2022. Okay. Yeah. And I haven't heard a dickie bird. And what, what did you offer them? I offered them a number of alternative offerings. Yeah. One being a hotel with fully catered meals. Okay. Another is a hotel where the refugees could cook for themselves. At that okay. stage, my understanding was the department was trying to move people off fully catered packages to cook your own meals, etc. So I offered them a variety of solutions mm-hmm. in total, which would take about 100 to 120 refugees wow. off the road. Great. And I got nothing. Well, you got an acknowledgement, surely. I got an acknowledgement to say that they're carrying on an investigation at the moment, right? But is that it? was back in October. And, has anyone and here we are now in February. But has anyone visited? Not at all. I haven't had any communication vis-a-vis a visit or anything of that nature. Not at all, no. And what part of the country are you, Aidan? I'm up near Letterkenny in Donegal, right okay. on the beach. Okay. And what, do you think, what, what, did you look for a certain amount of money? Help me here, did you? No, 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 I never asked for any money, Joe. That's something that would, you know, that's something that would be discussed at some later yeah. stage with the department if they decided to, to, to look at you in, 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 in earnest. No, okay. there was never any discussion about money. But you were, no. so, so you're up for negotiation? Absolutely, yeah. Wow. And you haven't even got an acknowledgement? Well, I got an acknowledgement. Sorry, today. sorry. Thank you. And you, didn't, you haven't got a visit. It didn't say how many no, rooms. Is I there, haven't had a phone Is there call. central heating? Is there nothing. Nothing. We looked, nothing. At, we looked at your site on Google Earth and it's not suitable. Anything like that, no? Not at all. Not at all. Which Joe, is, I see in the media full-time now the minister looking for accommodation, yeah. looking for old buildings. Yeah. They'll help to redecorate them, etc., etc. And here I have an offer of accommodation for maybe up to 100 refugees, and nobody has lifted a finger. And how long has your hotel been empty, so to speak? It's empty every year from maybe September through to March or April. Okay. And what, what so, happens for the rest of the year? Well, for the rest of the year, I would host some weddings. Okay, but that uh, wouldn't interfere. That wouldn't interfere at all with the hosting of uh, of uh, refugees. Okay, well, explain that to me. So, it's now when does wedding season? May doesn't May May Day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you so you so like they're frantically looking for accommodation. We're told. So if if a hundred or hundred and fifty uh, people were sent to your hotel this yeah. weekend, yeah, what do you do when there's a wedding on on the fourth of May? Well, I do what a number of hotels in Donegal do when there are weddings on. They take the group of refugees off to an adventure centre or something of that nature for an overnight stay for them, which is a change for the children involved. They can do canoeing, outdoor pursuits. It's fantastic for them, and they all love it. 
And, this and then has, they come back a day or two later and back into the hotel. And this has been done, you say, in Donegal already? Oh, it's been right? done all over the place, Joe. Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, you are. Okay, sorry. Joe, there are six hotels in Donegal I'm oh. aware of okay. that have discontinued all weddings and taken in refugees. But there are other hotels there that manage to operate both together. And they do it in that fashion by taking okay. people off for an overnight somewhere else okay. and then they come back the next day. Now, Aidan, what about mm. the, there's what about, the, you know, the argument Lismore? No, they said no consultation. Now, the hotel in Lismore, County Watford, uh, the home of the late great uh, writer, Dervla Murphy. Um, yes. Th- that yes. hasn't that hasn't been open for seven years yet. People still object. Well, some people still are objecting. Yeah, well, Joe, you cannot keep all the people happy all the time. I have no doubt, no matter where you put refugees, you're going to get objections. Have you ever taken in refugees before? No, no, no. Okay. Would you, did you specify in your application, so to speak, I will only take families, I'll only take over 20, or whatever? Did you, did you have any no, specificity? No. no, back in October, Joe, this hadn't become a big issue, you know? So, no, I didn't, I didn't lay down any boundaries at all of that okay. nature. I just said, listen, I do have this accommodation. Now, Joe, to apply for this yeah. is a very detailed uh, questionnaire you have to go through. It will take maybe an hour to an hour and a half. Okay. How many bedrooms do you have? How many double beds? How many single beds? How many showers? How many toilets? You know, you go through the thing line by line. So it's a very detailed examination of your facilities. And have you, have you submitted that? Of course I have, yeah. Okay, Back in and, October. And still, okay, you've, you've, you have me snookered here because every question you have, an, uh, obviously you have an, you've done, you have an answer for. Well, Joe, there are days I pull my hair out when I listen to the minister on the radio saying, we please provide this and please yeah. provide that. And here we have it all available. And I've no doubt, Joseph, I'm not unique. There are other people around the country in exactly the same situation, not getting a response. Okay, so stay with us, Aidan. Aidan Farrell is in Donegal. He's offering... Mm. It's, a, it's a hotel. Is that what you call it? A hotel? Yeah, it's a hotel. Yeah. But, Joe, yeah. I have yeah. other accommodation there as well, which has also been offered, which and they haven't responded to. No response. Okay. Alan, Alan Cook contacted us separately as well. Alan, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. Um, owner of John Cook's Jewellery and Temple Bar in the centre of Dublin. Now, you, 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 something struck you about a recent... Um, job that vacancy that you advertise go ahead alan uh, yeah i had a vacancy here in the um, company and i put an ad out on the recruitment site okay. and i got quite a few different uh, um, responses and uh, i the job is now fulfilled or filled okay. but one of the responses i got um unfortunately the job was filled at this stage and it wasn't uh, somebody in this man's uh, credentials I was looking for, but I'll just read you the first couple of lines okay. of this uh, CV that I got, and it just struck me. And what age, do you know what age is this Yeah, applicant? it's in the CV now. Uh, my name, okay. Danny, etc., I won't say. Yeah. I'm 17-year-old refugee from Ukraine. My parents are dead, and I search for a work. That's my little story. I born in a small town on east of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. After 2014, I lived six years under Russian occupation. In 2019, I get a chance to went to Ukraine, 
end the last school year and start studying in EM College in Krakow. I am studying well before 24th of Feb 2022 when I leave Ukraine and went to Poland. I'm working hard, and after 10 months, I get an opportunity to went in Ireland. Okay. Now, there's a poor, poor young fella, 17 okay. years of age, who has nothing. He has no parents. He's no home. He's nowhere to live. He's left this country because there's a war on. Mm. Uh, he's traveled through two different countries to get here. And yet, our welcome is to have people out on the street trying to kick refugees out of the country. My heart went out for this young fella. If mm. I had a position, I would have taken him on. And did he give you, just to go back to the CV, I see he says, willing to locate, answer anywhere. That's correct, yeah. Okay. He's okay. willing to, to locate anywhere. And he's, at 17, he gave you one, yeah. two, three. He's, four, he's had four jobs uh, back home. Well, they're, like, they're not back home, if you look, Joe. They're actually in Poland. Okay, uh, Krakow, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Krakow. So, look, he's left, he's trying to work his way, he's trying to survive. Yeah, That's okay. all he's trying to do. He worked in the, in the market, yeah, taking deliveries, food shelves, keeping the floor clean, helping customers. That was immediately before I moved to Ireland. I had excellent relations with colleagues and superiors. I performed my work at the highest level. Before that, I was a warehouse worker in Motorola Solutions. I worked as an order picker. A lot of people know that job. I gained a lot of experience in working with various types of scanners, as well as operating systems that the scanners run on. I also advanced my collective skills and knowledge of teamwork. Before that, I was this guy. This chap was only seventeen, by the way. And yeah, he lost his yeah. parents. Builder, um, and it was a summer job, and a the choice of something. He's, he's a, he. I know he's, he says my my English isn't brilliant, but he's a nice way with words. The choice of summer job fell on the company fee and L Comfort. I worked as an assistant foreman. I gained a huge amount of experience in various construction areas and more specifically suspended ceilings, tile laying, glass wool laying, as well as painting work. And before that, he did warehouse work as well for three months. So he's, he's, been, he's been, oh, hang on, I worked as a parcel starter at the Inpost Postal Company. Uh, it, it was my first serious job. I didn't get much work experience, but I made a lot of progress in social work with colleagues and teamwork. My dismissal, he obviously means he left, my dismissal was due to the fact that I found a more interesting job during the summer period. Yeah. And his, his education in Kharkov, which is, as you know, uh, so strongly contested between the, the invading Russians and the Ukrainians, even to this day, and uh, that's why he had to flee, I presume. He studied in the Electrical Mechanical College. Yeah. And uh, did you actually meet this chap, Alan? I didn't. It just, the actual CV hit me. It just yeah. hit a note. Because this, here's this poor devil, and that's all you could describe him as, looking for work to survive. And the welcome that, that some people in this country, who do not represent me, by the way, are giving refugees fleeing from war-torn area of Europe. I think it's an absolute crying shame. They don't represent me, and I don't, don't think they represent 99.9%. Well, I heard, I heard a Vox Pop just this morning, and I'll try and transpose it from my memory. I heard a Vox Pop uh, this morning from Mullingar, the protests in Mullingar last night, St. Collins Barracks, and uh, people were saying, they're all men, and they're not vetted. And a lot of them, it seems, have no ID papers. What would you... 
I don't expect you, Alan, to answer these, to be able to take the burden of these questions. But what do you think of that type of questioning? I've seen all that online. I've seen it online before, and it's been spread by certain section of this society here to try and stir up uh, all sorts of problems. And that's exactly what's happening. I mean, some of the stuff I've seen online has just been outrageous, absolutely outrageous. Mm -hmm. Talking about burying people at sea and burning them out and all this sort of stuff. I mean, that does not represent the Irish people, but that's what's going up online as a representation of what's happening here. And it's not right. But the protests are growing, and look at the one. There's a, a very, very big one in Coolock the other night. Uh, we've seen the ones outside the Garda station in Coolock, and uh, sorry, in Finglas. Um, we've seen Mullingar. We've seen Lismore. Now I know I take the point. Um, these, these are not represented per se, um, but they they are they they are happening around the country a lot more than previously, and it seems to have um, ignited fairly quickly. And oh, we I can't, understand. And we can't that. accuse everyone. I don't know what this phrase means, just dismissing. I know you don't, but just saying, oh, they're far right. I don't know what that means. It, it's, it's the far right, the far left, the far whatever. We can't just dismiss people as far right. We have to f- try and find out. And I say, they are saying uh, these people in, that are coming to Mullingar aren't being vetted, that the, the square that, where the tents are going to be pitched are, is used by some local groups. Liam of Roma. Liam, good afternoon. Hello, Liam. Hello, Liam. Liam was drummer there, and Liam uh, took it. Hey, Aiden. Um, one, now you're going to get this, Aiden. You know this. You're a man of the world, obviously. Uh, you're doing it for the money. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, you're doing what you do for I know, the money. I, know, exactly. I am doing it for the money. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Okay. But Joe, I think you introduced the program today by saying the frenzied attempt by the minister to get yeah. accommodation. I haven't seen any frenzied attempt at anything. I've seen a very sleepy response. You haven't seen anyone break and sweat at this stage? Not at all. Not a bit of it. Okay, Colm Smullen. Colm, your point, please. My point, please, point is that the government are absolutely a word of fairies on this whole topic. They're, they're letting this whole, this whole thing develop where it's one, one section against the other and it's the Ukrainians are getting... Stuck in the middle of all this, like it's it's absolute shame. I'm involved in day one. Um, what to call it? Thousand people are coming from Ukraine. No, Callum, 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 I have to get a better line. Sorry, I will get a better line in a sec. Liam O'Drum is back there now. Five one double five one text. Liam. Yeah, uh, just listening there, Joe. Sorry that I did miss you there the first time. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think one way to dilute the impact of the Ukrainians coming in would be to really organize the way the government, the way, you know, to, to, for individuals like myself, and there's a lot of us out there to take in refugees. Now, I took in one there, say, uh, and I mean, you've already been spoken to by that man from Donegal. Mm. I don't know why that isn't being acted on. I know the refugee I took in last August, the beginning of August, he's now been with me six months. It took, it took a little bit of effort on my, ha- on my behalf to kind of get him. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, mm. in the end, I went over to the Red Cross place in uh, Marion Square to tell him, look, I'm ready to take somebody okay. in. And, um, I mean, and if anybody is listening to those who is hesitating about taking in a refugee, all I can say is it's a very, has been a very positive experience. There has been no trouble at all. Uh, I have um, housed some of his, his friends overnight when they've been stuck, mm. and they're all, to a person, been very nice, decent people. Um 
He's a young man. He was. Uh, he he lived. Uh, he's from the Crimea. He he was not. He was not kind of conscripted because Crimea has been, of course, under yeah. Russian ages yeah. since 2014. Yeah. He got out before May the May the eighth or the ninth. You know the. Um, because there was a rumor that uh, Putin was was going to announce a general mobilization, and that's the okay. uh, d- during the celebration of the end of the Great Patriotic War, as they refer to the Second World War, uh, with some justification, of course. And um, but, anyways, he, he did say, you know, in terms of living in um, under Russian you know, under Russian ages in Crimea, it didn't really impact on him so much. There were certain rules and restrictions that they had to abide by, but it wasn't impactful. But what changed everything, of course, mm. is when uh, Russia invaded, when when oh. when Putin went into Crimea, uh, you know, a year ago today, and uh, you know that changed things. But Liam, and I'll put this to Alan as well, and and Colm if he's back. Like people, it seems, and I know it's it, it's it's hard to, sometimes to work out what exactly. The, the the demands are that people be consulted, consulted. I don't know what that looks like. Do you have a meeting and you have a vote, which that wouldn't work? Um, then you see people with on the other side, the the welcoming side, to to be, use a generic phrase. They have they have uh, posters saying the government is to blame, but Putin is to blame, isn't he? In that in the case of the Ukraine, the government, the Irish government, didn't invade Ukraine, but they won't say that. But but Liam, the then well, people that's a no, long the, story, no last last know, no last <laughs> no, ju, the, yeah, I know that. But just last <laughs> night, last night the the bits I heard in the Vox Pop from Mullingar, people were saying it's not the Ukrainians we're against; it's the others. Again, even this language, the others, the Somalians, the the Georgians, the Albanians, they're coming in here, they're uh, destroying their papers on the plane or whatever. Um, that that's and and they say and they, they seem to be focused on this thing that they're all men. What was the phrase this morning? They're all men in designer tracksuits and and uh, sneakers. Uh, yeah, well, you know, Joe. My own take on that is that you know, in terms of a historical compensation towards looking after refugees, we're only beginning to step up to the place. When you take the when you take the decades of when we were when we were refugees economic and whatever you like to describe us and we mm. we found refuge in other countries and it is now our turn to step up to the plate and we shouldn't you know we should we should be yeah, but that, we should, didn't, be our, that fair, should be our attitude in fairness we didn't find well i know the uk was different and the common travel area and all that kind of, but we didn't find refuge in america without being vetted where did ellis uh, where, where did ellis island and a bit of chalk come from well, I mean, I think that was. Uh, the, I know there was an element of that if you if you had some kind of illness or what have you. But it was a, it was a, it was a, 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 a it, it wasn't a, a, it was a perfunctory kind of vetting. It wasn't an in-depth mm. thing. I mean, we we mainly found they took us in. It's the same with the, you well, know you when, see, we well, remember, Can- when we went to Canada. And well, specifically, whatever. but specifically, the United States of America and indeed Canada were looking for people. They were begging people to come and. Uh, head out, head out west. But anyway, that's a, 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 a different story. But just on the, the column small and column come back in again. Sure, yeah. But before I say what I want to say about the whole thing, basically I want to correct you on one thing. You said yeah. there that the marchers yesterday and last night in Mullingar were just against what's going on in the army barracks and the, the that, that group mm-hmm. of people. But 
if that was the case, why when they were marching by the Newbury Hotel where all the Ukrainians are, okay. are, are living for the last year, they were shouting out, 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 oh, out, right out, out. Okay. Were you there, so Colm? I see. So everyone's seen it on YouTube, you know what I mean? So it's pretty, okay, pretty out okay. there. Okay, well, I didn't want to So, like, you. That's, that's so stupid, like... Um, and how big was, the, was, how saying, big was the demo, do you know? I don't care, because it wasn't that, and just... I, I, yeah. <laughs> And I was too busy helping Ukrainian people to be at a rally, okay. you know, in Mullingar last night. You know, so stupid. But anyway, um, well, try and, I don't say try and persuade sorry. those. Try and persuade those people, Colin, while you're on the air now. <laughs> How do you feel? I you can't. Ask, all those people are at that rally last night. What have they done for the the the, 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 the our own homeless and our own people that they keep whinging about? You know. What have mm. any of them done for it? Because I wouldn't well, say any of them. Well, we're spending. Well, well, hang mm. on. We're spending a billion a year on housing assistance payments, rent mm. supplements. Like you can't say we haven't done anything as a nation. No, I'm talking about people in the, mar- in the in the rally last night. What have any oh, of them what done have for they anybody? Done? Oh, okay, okay. That's okay. Oh God, no. There's loads. Been, that's the thing. There's loads been done for the Irish. There's so many people involved in feeding the homeless in Dublin, mm. and all these guys in the marches are going on as if there's nothing going on for the Irish homeless in Dublin. You know yourself the amount of organisations that are working day and night up there. Some of the people I know uh, are involved in the Ukrainian effort, helping them, and it's feeding people on um, the streets of Dublin at night. I know, look and like the people that are marching wouldn't be seen for dust. But can I just tell you that I've been involved in this since mm-hmm. 11 months ago, bring over in Ukraine or Poland three times a day, and okay. I'm back here now okay. since last May. And um, between myself and two other volunteers, or three or four of us altogether, we've probably housed... Between bringing them over from bunkers in Ukraine and getting them homes here, seven thousand, roughly seven and a half thousand people. Wow! Now the Red Cross and the government organisations all together combined have done about five thousand. Okay. And that came from the actual top man in the Red Cross. So, yeah, I'll just well, tell you what's it, going on. What, sorry, can I just finish up? I just yeah, tell you what's going on. Basically, there's a this whole thing is going on about the non-national. The guys are coming undocumented and yeah, unvetted. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a deflection from what's actually going on. What's actually going on is. 20,000 spare rooms and holiday homes, and that was pledged from between March, April, and May of last year to the Red Cross. The Red Cross chief executive, or whatever he is, admitted to me that from day one, when they got that big list of people vouching, mm-hmm. they've got somebody to go through the list and, and knocked off 11,000 within a couple of weeks because they were too far out of the way. So 11,000, brought down to 9,000, gave the 9,000 people everything they had to do to house the Ukrainians. From like putting in smoke alarms to putting locks on your windows to stuff that was so crazy to redoing your boiler to, to all this. Right. And he says, imagine okay. of the nine thousand people that was given that list yeah. of stuff to, including Garda Vetten, twenty percent is all that came back with a full. Like, so twenty percent of nine thousand, that was a really small figure. So to start processing them and process them and give them then back to IPAS, IPAS gives them to the local authority in Westmead County Council area. <laughs> They gave the list in the day had to a women's community project in Mullingar, who in turn rang me one Sunday to bring one of their girls out to Thorsten home in Castle Pollard to see could they get Ukrainians out into some house that was on the list. The house was looked at, the house was accepted. Mm. The following week she rings me, forget about that column, the house has been turned down by the council because it's dirty. So that fed down the whole way uh. <laughs> back to me and nothing got done. So that was the way it was all to The Red Cross was given something they could never do. So as a result of them being given a job they could never mm-hmm. do, the, 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 what turned out to be, and it's, it's staring everybody in the face and no one's talking about it, all the whole thing went towards the commercial side. And the commercial side were glad to do it. There's places in Carlow with 300 people in it at 100, 100 and something euro a night. The guy is making millions. 
millions and millions and millions. And so is other businesses, hotels in Killarney and Tralee are overflowing. There's gyms with bunk beds in them. There's hallways out the back with, in emergency exits with bunk beds in them. Women crying to me when we're taking them out but bringing them to proper homes. Because people off that list that didn't get used are ringing us. I pledged my house la- or rooms last mm-hmm. May, April, and they're coming back to us and saying, please, please, we're better up waiting. One yeah, guy had a holiday but home. In, 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 yeah, but in fairness, Colin, what hotels? Yeah, and, no, let me, I'm sorry, so, I need to say all this because I've been dying to say this for okay, fucking six, man. eight months. Oh, okay. There's a guy in Ventry in, Cor- in, in yeah, Curry who had a holiday home taken off his holiday let for, since last May. He rang me in, in, in October, November okay. and gave me the whole house and I put in two women and five kids into it for just before Christmas. He had a, he lost a fortune on it okay. because the Red Cross never bothered. So now what's happened is we're fast. The, the, the business sector had this golden goose for all of last mm-hmm. year, but now suddenly the gold the, the, the business sector is bursting. It's like a big pig. It's ready to blow up because it can't take any more. And there's businessmen around the country bragging that they're hoovering up any sort of a church, a monastery, mm. any sort of a, a, an f hole, right? Um, just to Kid out the guy in Carlo who wants certain okay. such a restaurant. No, 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 Colm, I don't want anyone. No, 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 no you have to let me know. It's a live, no, Colm, it's a live, it's a live program. I, I, I've got to operate within the borders of the law, right? Okay, and I know, I know you're going to, going to stick by that. But Colm, I, 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 surely one hotels in those places offer volume. Two, they say, sure, we we have to pay for the running of the building. We have to pay for electricity, no, gas, yeah, right. Let's, let rates. me finish that up. Okay. Westley County Council, right? Westley County Council are sending emails out to people saying we must. People are plaguing them to say, why aren't you using our accommodation, right? I could mm-hmm. after the show, I could give you the man's name who got the email. The email read, "We're making you aware that your accommodation is no longer needed." This was a guy who had three bedrooms available. Okay. And he had done all the smoke alarms. He'd done the window locks. Yeah, he'd done everything. Yeah, yeah. And but that, does not not scream that. Yeah, okay, and which which is bothering. which is what Aiden you're at one side you you're oh, and which, and which which I'm saying, you know, and Alan, you also, yeah. and, yeah. and by me, doing yeah. it that way you dilute the impact of um concentrating large numbers of refugees in certain centres. I mean there's a lot of people out there who are happy and willing to take in people. Okay, so and and, and and of course my main brief would be to actually even encourage more to step up to the place. Yeah, I hear and that. Yeah. you know the eight hundred euros a month is no small that you get mm. from the government, which is the recognition mm. payment, is no small sum. Yeah. So yeah. that's another yeah, instance. So the do- guys, the dovetail guys, the dovetail sorry. column between what you're saying, what Aidan is saying and what uh, what Liam is saying when you meet at the three roads meet at the the the, the roundabout so to speak you're agreeing that mm. on the one hand we're hearing from the government that there's a frenzy that there's an emergency on the other hand we're hearing from people who've offered accommodation be it small or big for a number of months now and they haven't they haven't heard a tweet Matthew Rowan right. Matthew your point please Matthew Mullingar yeah there you go good um, yeah so I was just from my point of view look I wasn't in on any protest last night he, I suppose, stuck out to me was if you, I suppose, just sitting there last night scrolling through through my social media, I just saw the comments mm. on, on this protest and I just you, thought... You live in, you, you say the protest, you mean the Mullingar protest? Yes, yes, correct, yes. Okay. I lived just outside of Mullingar, okay. yeah, so... I just thought it was, I thought it was a disgrace. I thought, um, I thought a lot of people should be hanging their heads in shame. A lot of people who, whose comments I would have read, I would have known these people. Okay. And I'm... I'm Okay, Matthew, I'll try. Uh, Matthew, you, you bear with me and apologies for holding, and we'll take the break. Joe at RT.ie, 51551 is the text number.
Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Well, from a quarter to two, we've been, and indeed before, obviously, we've been receiving calls of people who've offered accommodation uh, for, they use the phrase, refugees. Now, they mean... And from my understanding of what they're saying, they mean not just Ukrainian refugees from the war, but the international protection uh, applicants um, who would be from Africa, from um, Georgia, even though Georgia isn't at war, Albania, uh, etc. Um, uh, Matthew Rowan, Matthew, you live in Mullingar, and um, you say you, you, you know some people personally who you now find yourself in, in serious disagreement with. Yeah, Joe, I'd agree, I disagree with people's comments. I respect people's opinions always, you know. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, look, we're all we're all entitled for our opinion. I just feel that my my outlook on this whole thing would be there was I think over three hundred and fifty people in there in Mullingar last night, so they okay. came to Collins Barracks in Mullingar, and that's where I believe the refugees are going to be housed for. I'm not sure, I, I obviously wouldn't tell you how long. Um, but just personally, from my opinion, I just think. I think I, I look at it from if, if roles are reversed and, for instance, uh, we were in a situation where we had to flee our country and I'd hate for myself or my girlfriend or my future children to be getting off a bus to abuse. I just think it's an absolute disgrace. And what should be done? Well, no, I'm not sure. Like, you know, the way I look at it is these people seem to have been dropped in Mullingar. Um, I'm not sure if if you can blame... The government, um, mm. I believe they could be more transparent. It, it could be a simple case of the local TD, the local councillors, informing you, these guys and girls and people are going to be here for X amount of time. We're going to try to have them moved by X date. They're going to be living in Y, and this is how we're going to move with it. I think a lot of the frustration, while I completely disagree with a lot of, a lot of the opinion that I saw last night, I think a lot of people's frustration comes from the unknown of... Yeah. How long these people may be living in in their vicinity? And do do you see a difference, Matthew? And you, I know you're hearing a difference between the Ukrainian refugees who were what there was seventy thousand of them last year, f- fleeing the war, which which will be a year old later this month, the invasion, and then you you go back to the invasion of Crimea in two fourteen. And uh, you get a get a bigger picture, but the uh, the invasion uh, of Ukraine by Putin um, has generated, in terms of Ireland, seventy thousand refugees, which per capita is much higher than what the UK. Now I know we can't be comparing ourselves to the UK, but just in fairness to Ireland, is much higher than uh, our nearest uh, neighbour. And the, but the international protection applicants, which obviously they apply under the the. Uh, isn't it the UN Convention 19, 1951, which was developed after the, the Cold War? But the international protection applicants last year was 13,000. Now, as it happens, 13,000 last year was the highest in nearly 20 years because the numbers have been uh, decreasing dramatically up to the, uh, the change in the world that happened in the last uh, two or three years. But do you see, th- there is no... People and and the protesters seem to be making a differentiation between 
war refugees and economic refugees, even though the economic oh. refugees, they see themselves as looking for protection. They're international protection applicants, and that's what they, that's what they, uh, they, they go to the, the various offices in Dublin and they apply for protection, and they say, okay, we'll hear your case, and in the meantime, you have to go into a direct provision centre. So how do you deal with that, Matthew, or do you think that no. has to be dealt with? Oh, yeah, of course, look, I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and say that everything that, that's been done right now is correct. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not involved in the ins and outs of everything that's happened. Like a, a common thing that I'm, I'm seeing being thrown around is um, of military age. These people should be staying now. Still yeah. now, I'm probably focusing primarily on the Ukrainians there. Yeah. I'm seeing of military age being a common thrown around an awful lot. Joe, I love living in Ireland, but if we went to war, I'd be on the first plane out. Okay. I wouldn't be staying around. I've no. I've no. I'm not patriotic in any way, any sense. If I had a family, I'd be trying to get us out as quick as possible. I wouldn't be hanging around. I don't mm. understand this whole thing that people should stay and fight. That's what these people I've seen. I've seen all this now. Look, I'm going completely off what I've what I've heard okay, people nice. saying or what I've seen on social mm. media. You know, I think this thing that they should stay and fight and defend their country. These people, I, I personally, if I had a family, I wouldn't send them off to a separate country and want to want to be on my own without. Mm. And that's just me. Other people who were at these protests, maybe they're. They'd stay in fight till, till their, last, their last breath, but it wouldn't be for me. Now, on the economic side of it, Joe, mm-hmm. I'm not going to stand here and pretend that I'm up to date with everything like this. I understand what you mean with the, the international uh, protection program or all that, the applications and stuff. Direct provision, obviously, I think we have an agreement with the EU that we have to take in X amount every year anyway. So when you have a war on top of that, of course your numbers are going to jump. I think that if we lived in a what could be classed maybe as a, as a lower-class third-world country, and it was the opportunity for protection elsewhere to make a better life for yourself and your family, I, I think, why wouldn't you jump at that opportunity if it arose? Yeah. Um, and then there's... It's just, it just becomes... Anyway, what do you think generally of what you're seeing at these protests, Matthew? Well, look, I, I'm only seeing... I suppose I'm only seeing the videos from last mm. night. You know, um, I'm seeing them on Facebook. I'm seeing... I'm seeing posts. Of, I'm seeing people post pictures at, at these, and obviously, look, there'll be no 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 names thrown around. Obviously, but like, I'm seeing people posting photographs that they're at this protest as if as if they're changing something. If you want to protest, you need to go outside the doll, Joe. In my opinion, look, I don't know if it make if it make a blind bit of difference, but you're protesting the people who are hopping off buses or hopping off or hopping into a tent here in the middle of, a, of an army barracks that's been derelict for I don't know how long. Mm. What 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 do these people think they're going to achieve standing there? You need to go up as far as Kildare Street and start protesting up there to the people who who are putting these people in here. If you don't want them there, go up there. I would hate to think that in the but future. But they would argue. Well, again, I know there's nuances here. We heard them from Sartreburg. But the government would argue that we didn't start the war in Ukraine. We didn't. We didn't uh, invent the UN Convention on uh, Protection 1951, which was primarily to. It was after it was the Cold War, and it was primarily Europe's way of saying anyone who wants to flee from the East, so to speak, would be welcome in the West. But now that's changed, obviously, because of the world we live in, and people are travelling from horrific conditions in Africa, whatever, and they're they're arriving in Ireland. So so the so the 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 world has changed. Like and going I saw those banners the other night, don't blame the refugees, blame the government. But where where does that get us? Well no, where does no that look, get us. I, it's well, all about, maybe it's all about just, blame it seems. Well 
no, no, look, no, and I completely, I completely understand what you're saying. Look, of course, Michal Martin, Leo Varadkar, etc., etc., weren't around back when this was signed. That's fine. My whole thing on it would be, I suppose the way I look at it is, President Zelensky, when this when this war started, okay, and for months Ireland were the next best thing in the world. We took anyone and everyone in, but we weren't taking them in to look good to our country. So the rest of the EU, in my opinion, it was what the rest mm. of the EU saw us doing. So we looked like a great country. But then they're coming and they're in direct provision centres, they're in the likes of City West, etc. As, as Colin said earlier on, they're in Tralee, they're in Killarney, wives, kids and stuff from, from other countries, you know. So I'm not going to say put blame on the government, but this thing of, in my opinion, of protesting at people hopping off a bus who are just, I presume, mm. just coming here for a better life, you know. And like I'm not going to say I'm up to date with all the facts and figures of people coming in, vetted, unvetted. In my opinion, it's it's just a complete personal thing that if it rolls reversed, I would hope to be accepted into a different country if I had to flee. Okay, okay. Are you, uh, where are you from originally, Matthew? Dublin. Uh, I'm originally from Lucan. Yeah, I'm yeah, living in Mullingar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you were welcomed in Mullingar. Oh, well, yeah, I think so. Anyway, yeah. And you weren't vetted when you arrived in Mullingar, so to speak, whatever that means. No, no, we were all good arriving down. Mm-hmm. But then again, <coughs> you would have ID, you'd have passport, driver license, PPS number, or whatever. Isn't that part of the issue now? People are saying, and the government need to address it. They need to tell people the figures. How many are arriving in each week? Uh, the Ukrainian figures are fairly Correct. Uh, transparent. But are many arriving in from different countries? How many are arriving with... with there's no harm telling people. And uh, how many are arriving without papers? How many are coming from countries that are so chaotic with corrupt police that don't have state agencies where the, the, uh, the, the, not the, the acquisition of papers is probably impossible but the, the government need to tell people like when they used to do it on covid they did it every day where they could do it every week now just to tell people and trust people and argue you know argue with people or sorry debate with people why we need to do a b c and d why we saw where we have our international obligations we are a civilized uh, country a liberal democracy and we have to stick to our international obligations which go back to 60 70 years to a different world but they said the world changes uh, on, on a regular basis anyway but if sorry would it help let me ask you the question would it help if the government did uh, on a weekly basis say we had so many people from ukraine last week we've so many people from uh, georgia albania somalia algeria um, or whatever, um, would that help? Um, I suppose when I speak about the government, no, your line is gone, Matthew. I'll come back. Paul McCormick, I'll take another break. Joe at RT.ie, 51551 is the text number. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 And Joe at Hopefully Paul McCormick. Paul. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Good. Your point, please. Joe, I'd love... I just wish... I just... To, as a background check, I, I was... I observed a protest in Ballymore on Thursday about two weeks ago, and I was accidentally caught in two protests this week in Angel Street about five o'clock. Uh, fortunately, I was on my bike, so I was able to cycle through them. And they're all singing from the same hymn sheet, and they're all saying the same thing. I just wish they'd all just take a step back, a big deep breath, and look at the historical picture. These people, when they do settle in their country, that's if they do stay, a lot of the Ukrainians are going to go back. 
But when they do, their children contribute to the cultural uh, landscape of this uh, country immeasurably. Look at mm-hmm. soul singers like Denise Choyla and Abby Koulibaly. They're <coughs> the children of immigrants. Uh, Abby is mixed race. Um, um, uh, so Denise is a, a, a of African descent. And then we have athletes who are going to bring mm-hmm. home gold and all that. We're, we're now winning gold medals with black athletes in events that we could never win before because we didn't have the physicality for it. And they're so Irish. I just, wish, I, I just know that this period <coughs> and every wave of immigration is always going to enrich this country much, much better. Mm. It's just going to be a better place. And what do you... If you came across industry, I was looking at the social media, I saw some of the blackguards again. No, what was I saying? The vetting, the, this vetting seems to be... I don't know what vetting would look like. Well, could, uh, again, you, you, you made a point which I last call away. Was he vetted before he went to uh, Mullingar? This is just a nonsense thing that I, I got the same thing in Ballymun when the Travelodge Hotel used mm. to be full of paying customers nobody vetted them at all and most of them by the way would not have had a passport because most of the customers in those hotels were from uh, down the country in Ireland coming up to Dublin so you don't need a passport but they're coming up to, some of them are from Northern Ireland and some of them are from uh, the UK you can arrive from the UK yeah, but they were, by they were. ferry and you don't need a passport So this vetting thing is just nonsense. People have been coming and going in Ireland without any sort of real vetting, and it was never a problem. This is just one of these red herrings, these fake uh, ideas that they want to to give legitimacy to what is a very illegitimate uh, movement. Um, But this week seems to be quite different in terms of the numbers increasing. Is that fair to say, Paul, on the broadcast? Uh, it is, and it's very disappointing, but uh, it is. The, the spread of it all... But these people aren't, these people aren't, uh, these people aren't stupid. These people aren't stupid. Well, I don't think they're stupid, but they're certainly not checking out the facts. I mean, the way in which they latch on to the false facts, the almost Trumpian uh, fake news, I mean... The, the, the example this week was the alleged rape of a woman in North oh, yeah. Dublin somewhere. Immediately it got out that it was two black men did it. And then the Gardaí had to take the very unusual step at the early stage of an investigation of coming out and saying, no, it wasn't. We're actually looking. The chief suspect is a white Irishman. So they're so quick to latch on Mm -hmm. to these unsubstantiated facts. I actually do wonder about their level of intelligence because it's it's just so they, they just believe anything. Well, that's my problem with them. Hmm. Alan, I, I'll come back to you in a second. Alan, Alan Cook, uh, you, yep. you, you uh, communicated... Uh, Joe, yeah, like you, 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 you were talking you, there earlier on, there, yeah, okay. or you were talking to Colm earlier on, regarding uh, uh, refugees coming into Ireland. I mean, I have a young Ukrainian lady staying with me, and not once has she um, uh, looked for anything off the stage. Okay. Except when she arrived, she looked for accommodation. She was then came to uh, live live with us. She had she had a job within a week, and all she wants to do is return, return home. Uh, and yet, like the like the actual um, sort of uh, how would you put it, the picture that's been painted here is that these people are here to stay. They're not here to stay. They're here to take mm. refuge from a war. Uh, I don't think anybody would deny us refuge if war broke out here 
or we were invaded. Yeah, but there's no war in Georgia. There's no war. Albania has been described as a safe country, according to the EU. Um, there's no war in Algeria. I was referring to the Ukrainians, Joe. Yeah, no, but the, the, yeah. I, I take that point, Alan, but the, but the protests seem to be... Young, again, uh, the inter- young men of army age. Yeah, yeah, coming from Somalia, Algeria, um, Georgia, Albania. They're, that's what they're saying. These, these are international protection applicants. They're not well, I wouldn't know anything about that, Joe, but one mm-hmm. last thing I, and I do know, um, that this young lady's uh, brother, who stayed behind when Putin invaded... Uh, took over um, uh, the city where they were, where they were living. Uh, he hid out. He was hiding from the yeah. troops. They came to the door of the house looking for him because they wanted to conscript him into the army. And what they were going to do was put him into into the army and send him off to outer Siberia somewhere and draw those soldiers from Siberia into Ukraine to fight because he's not going to fight against his own people. And he had to escape through Russia, through Russia, into Denmark, and that's where he is now, taking refuge. You know, and, and that's the, what's the happening. Other, the other thing as well is Ukrainians, when they come here, as well as their entitlements, um, which are the same as, as anyone else in the country in terms of social welfare or whatever, they are also allowed work. And my experience um, with a group uh, that one of my family is involved in is that they've, they've taken up that offer in spades. They, most of them are working. Yeah, but like, like, like that particular chap, like her, like her brother, he is working. He's working as well, and he can't wait to go home. I mean, that's the, like, half the problem. Like People think that they're here to stay forever. They're not. They're taking mm. refuge. Now, Ukrainians, I don't know about the others. I can't say. I'm not familiar with this. But all, I, all I'm hoping for, Joe, is that somebody out there will mm. give that young fella, Danny, a job. Because that, that young chap is struggling. We have it in our hearts to be kind to people, not to throw them out of the country. But we also, okay, we have it, I take that point, um, we have it in our hearts to be kind to people, but we also have it in our laws that we have to take in, interna- we have to look at interna- people who are international protection applicants. The, the Ukraine war is different and we've made a decision along with the rest of Europe and indeed other countries to take in refugees uh, from, the, from, the, from the Ukraine invasion regardless. No vetting, rightly so, no interviews, you, just, you can come here and you can get your PPS number immediately because there is a war, there is, a, there is an invasion, there is uh, a massacre being perpetrated by a superpower against a much smaller uh, sovereign, sovereign country. So that's on the one hand, but on the other hand, it seems to me and this, the, the, that the protests are going on this route. They're saying 150 black men got off a bus in their designer tracksuits. Now we saw images of that. And I don't know where they're from. Someone, some, some people say Algeria. Algeria is not at war. Algeria is a fairly rich company, oil, gas, or whatever. The other things people say, well, they're from Somalia. And that's the, the problem with Somalia is one that it's chaos. It's ungovernable. But there's female genital mutilation. There's gangs. There's tribal warfare. And people say, well, well hang on, is that a reason why they? Is that not a reason why they come here? And they say, no, that the, the, the people fleeing to Ireland could be from these gangs. They could be criminals. And then you fall back on the argument. You say, well, they need to be vetted. And you say, hang, there is a process, but it could take two, three, four, five years, and they'd be in direct provision in the meantime. And um, you're you're in you're you're forming a circular uh, firing squad at that stage to blame everybody. Paddy Sharkey, Paddy. Hi, how are you, Joe? Yeah, your point, please, Paddy. 
Um, yeah, I was just saying to your researcher there, you know, I think perhaps it's time that uh, we, we were on a war for it, and as a country with the amount of people coming here, you know, maybe we need to take uh, more emergency action. Yeah, we are. Well, what would the, explain that to me. What would that look like, being on a war? Well, you know, thing? maybe, you know, the likes of the RDS or, you know, some of the, the stadiums. Uh, around the country being used, you know, to well, it's not know what to, Yeah, it's not what they're looking for at the minute. So we're told. Yeah, we're told. Uh, yeah, I was just saying to your researcher as well that my uh, my wife is a teacher and she's um, mm-hmm. she's actually teaching Ukrainians there in, in the school okay. at the moment. Um, just saying we, we were quite sick over Christmas um, ourselves, okay, sorry uh, the whole that. family. Sorry and, to uh, didn't seem to be COVID, but... Um, Okay. I went to the doctor in Donegal, and he asked me, um, had I been exposed to anybody who is carrying TB? And I couldn't believe it, because mm. I was coughing up blood, Joe, and okay. uh, I have to go for a, a chest x-ray. My son mm. has been sick for two months, uh, cannot shift uh, a chest mm. infection. My wife has got had to go for an MRI. She's got problems in her okay, back. Where, where, in her I'm so sorry where to hear I'm that. Going with yes, this, where yes. I'm going with this, Joe, is the doctor said to me, um, he said, I'm not being funny. And he was a very nice doctor. No way yeah. uh, racist or anything. He said, I'm not being funny, but a lot of Ukrainians are carrying TB because mm-hmm. historically they didn't treat TB properly in the former uh, Soviet states. And he said, none of them are being screened, but they have had information sent around to them, all the GPs, mm-hmm. but th- nobody's been vetted or tested. I mean, we had uh, a regime of uh, strict COVID testing, and now there's a so risk of TB. Okay, now TB is, a, TB is treatable now. Many years yes, ago in Ireland there was no, a... No, the problem is, Joe, that there's, there's many uh, mm-hmm. strains of it which are antibiotic-resistant now because it's been mm-hmm. running rampant in these well, places hang on. Where, where, so, so where are the statements from? The IMO, which is effectively a trade union... Um, so they would they wouldn't be um, wouldn't be germane to them to keep anything uh, quiet. Oh no, it's not. It's not where, a where's, secret. Where's, I mean, the state, where's the statement? Where's the statement from the IMO well, saying there's been an increase in TB? Have well, you been, there, there have has. you have okay? Have you been diagnosed with TB? I probably? haven't been diagnosed, but I'm waiting for an X-ray. Oh, okay. And my wife has had an MRI. She's waiting on the results. And where my do you, my uh, son is on his fourth dose of antibiotics. You know, in two months. Well, where do you, steroid. well have you been in touch with? You say you've. It's no, but she, my wife is teaching young yeah. Ukrainians in a closed, enclosed space every day, you know. That's all I'm saying. And the doctor, it was the doctor put this into my head, Joe, yeah. nobody else. I wouldn't have. Uh, and okay. then I looked, I saw an article, Joe, in the Irish Times from August 2022, which was outlining this very okay, issue. Okay, well then, well then. And nothing has happened, nothing has happened, yeah, you know. Yeah, but I, it's just a shame, uh, we, we protected people so much with COVID. I'm not blaming the refugee, well, I'm yeah, just saying for nobody, a safety aspect, nobody, you know? nobody would wish TB on anybody. No, but I mean nobody. it's bloody serious. You know, I've been looking well, into well, it. Hopefully, we can de- we can deal with it. Yeah, but nobody's do- nobody is is even discussing this. Well, you, you are. Know? I know I am, but yeah. I mean, I even looked up on uh, I looked up on the internet. There was a thing. It said um, it was just a headline about TB and uh, Eastern yeah. Europe, and then it said, "Are you a medical practitioner?" And I said, "No." Well, you don't have access to this information. You can't. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't well, look maybe, at it. Well, maybe we will hear from medics if they've all if they've all got um. Well, perhaps they, they yeah. might, because um, just be interesting to know. Like I'm not. And, yeah, but Paddy, uh, is, that, is, is that is that not? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you're you're throwing out now the TB thing. Is that not kind of throwing out a, 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 a undercurrent to have people now worried about 
TB. And then, I know, then no, I know we, what you're saying. We, we might hear, we might hear yeah. that being shouted outside Store Street tonight, Garda Station. Oh, I know, you don't want They're all that, bringing in no, TB. No, of course they're not all bringing TB, but wouldn't it be great if they were screened for it? And even if they have it or they have latent TB, which can lie dormant yeah. for years, that they could get the right treatment that they and need. And the other thing as well is, well, with, here, with the Ukrainians, but there's been a lot of Ukrainian medics coming, especially women. Oh, right. Right. So uh, that, that's another thing, Joe. With the schools, the schools are under so much pressure trying to accommodate all these kids. And well, a lot schools, of them, are, you know, it's great. But uh, I'm sure lots of Ukrainian teachers have come along with the refugees. Yeah, and now they're moving quickly to try and get yeah, them registered in terms of English uh, proficiency yeah. and all to carry on. Anyway, anyway, well, I take your point, Paddy. Dennis, your point, please, Dennis. Uh, hello, Joe. Yeah. Yes. Um, you were saying that uh, when the Irish went to America, the Americans were crying out for them that they needed that they needed workers. Um, but sure, we, we, we've got vacancies in, in the care homes and in the HSE, in the retail, in the uh, hotels. We've got vacancies throughout our economy and, yeah. and we need workers too. Yeah. And for every, for every refugee stroke, immigrant stroke asylum seeker, for every one of those that gets a job, <coughs> they earn money and they spend it in our economy. Yeah. And that's money that never existed before in our economy. And they pay, um, and they pay tax. Uh, and they pay tax, yeah. And, so um, what, what do you say to the protesters? Well, they say that the protesters say, I've seen them on YouTube, they all say that they're scrounging off us and living off this, that and the other thing. And the, I, I mean, what, they're, they're hardly taking us for a ride if they're, if they're only getting 38 euros 50 a week to, to live on in, in whatever accommodation they have. Mm, <laughs> good point, or even yeah. if they're... And if they're on the street, they get 20 euros Dunn's voucher, Dunn's stores voucher. I mean, that, that's nothing in the scheme of things if, if, they, if they actually end up working here and contributing to our, our economy and our, our social life, etc., or yeah. the life of the country. Um, and um, Okay, also, well, and when, and when you expand that, Dennis, you say... You can say that, that, that refugee that you knew, you're now protesting about could be, could be the doctor in 10 years' time or the firefighter or the ambulance driver that will take you to hospital. Yeah, he could be. But how, how do people, that, how do people the, react when they hear that argument? Yeah, he could be the care worker that actually minds yeah, yeah. your grand, your grandparents yeah, yeah. In, the, in the care home. Um, and what's that? What did you ask me, Joe? No, I said, what do you say to those people? Well, sorry, what is when you put that argument to people? That could be the doctor. That could be in ten years time. That could be the your carer yeah. in ten years time. That person. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think what, they, what they reaction, usually. What reaction do you get? Yeah, they usually say, um, "Oh, sure." Oh, people make funny remarks, you know, snide remarks, saying, "Oh, they're all doctors and engineers coming in here off the boats and coming across the border from Northern Ireland," you know, and. Uh, Mm. So, so what if they're not all doctors and engineers? If they're if they're people who are willing to work in care homes or collect our rubbish, or, well, they're, they're humans like like all of us. That's where the same. They species, are, yeah, yeah. Right? And if they're same people, species, it's yeah. just working in a care home is, a, is just, you could argue that's just as important as any other sort of a job, or and a, little, or, a lot more important than a lot of jobs. In fairness. Yes, yeah. Whatever um, everyone does their job to the best of their ability and for. Yes, yeah, for, or hotel, hotel porters are needed, you know. <laughs> we need people to, to look yeah. at, to, to do these jobs. And what do you say to people who are intending on going at this demo tomorrow in the... Um in the War Memorial Gardens of all places, but anyway... Yeah, sorry, what I would say is a cemetery is, effect. Um, okay, that's, it's, 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 it's marginally better than... than um, 
at least they're not uh, protesting outside um, accommodation centres. I, I mm. think it's extremely unfair for people to be protesting outside accommodation centres for these people who have nothing and who have done nobody any harm. They're, they're living there in these uh, asylum accommodation centres and sometimes with young families. The mm-hmm. next thing, all these people are outside shouting their heads off, saying, out, out, get them out. Um, that's just not mm-hmm. fair on anybody, I think. Um, and it gives, and it's not being done in my name anyway. Yeah. Uh, and what I, about, I what about the, the argument that people say, oh, the refugees will go back. But when they discover that, um, for all the stuff you hear day in, day out, and all the stuff that people experience day in, day out, um, we are health-wise, we're miles better than the countries are coming from, education-wise, social welfare-wise, police-wise, fire brigade-wise, streets-wise, tra- traffic-wise, transport-wise, um, hospitality-wise. We're a lot better than the countries they come from, and they won't go back, if they have any sense. Yes, well, as the gentleman said, um, uh, nearly the, the people that have been on before, the, most of them that know people say that they actually, the Ukrainians want to go back. Uh, they, mm. they left a they left a country that has um, a great potential altogether as a, a probably a future member of the European Union. But um, I, I, I'd find it hard to tell uh, somebody coming here from a very poor country like what is it Eritrea or Niger, the uh, Eritrea or uh, Ethiopia, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, some some North African country. Um, I'd find it very hard to say go back to your own country there, you know, make a living there. I mean, sure. These are people who, in a lot of cases, have risked their lives just in order to to uh, to actually get a job. That <laughs> they risk their lives crossing in boats, etc. And uh, yeah, but remember, we're, we're we're not obliged to take economic migrants. We are migrants. We are obliged to take people. Obviously, the Ukrainian situation is different. We are obliged under the UN Convention, going back to fifty one or whatever. We are obliged to, to consider people who are fleeing persecution. So everyone, yes. everyone that comes into the country, leave the Ukrainians aside, that they say, "I am fleeing persecution," and they have to. Their case has to be considered, and that could take five. The way things were happening, five, six, seven, eight, nine years, and then, as we know, some people were sent back. Some people were refused domicile. Because yeah, the, the, because the the refugee appeals board decided that the countries they were coming, but it takes it takes time. But they are in, they are they are entitled under that UN convention to come. Now I know there's there's Schengen and different things as well that they were that you're supposed to, the country where they land first in the EU is the country that should process them. And it, you know the argument we've heard on this program. It's bizarre that people from Somalia are landing directly in Ireland, even though there's no direct flight from Somalia to, to Ireland. So how are they getting here? They're coming through the EU. Well, why aren't those countries under the, under the Dublin Convention, why aren't they looking after them first? So, well, uh, we all supposed to do our own bit, you know. Uh, do it, yeah. every, every country should get together and, and, and help them out. I mean, mm. <coughs> I don't think it's fair on the countries that are right beside... <coughs> I can't remember what country Eritrea is it that borders Somalia. Like... It's not fair that Eritrea would have to take everything. I know, but I'm talking about the European Agreement, isn't it? The Dublin <laughs> Convention, where if you land right. in Greece, force Greece must deal with you, and Greece, and you know, Hungary basically turned their face against that as well. They just put water cannons at the borders and try and repel repel people coming from uh, other countries. Okay, I need to take a break, Dennis. Joe at RT.E five one double five one text.
Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. We've been waiting all week on a call about the the nursing home scandal, as it's called, where it, it, it's now argued that people with medical cards, um, if they had to go to a private nursing home, that should have been paid uh, by the state because they would have been entitled to go to a public nursing home. And um, by the way, this is no indicator. Not one, no one radio programme would would uh, expect. But we, we we haven't got calls from people who feel they were diddled or whatever. Now, is that historic? Is that people's, the people who will be affected primarily have passed? Their relatives would have to get together or their state would have to get together and, and uh, file a case. But we have got a call from Jeanette Bourne. Jeanette, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Ex- explain you, your situation because there are parallels. Well, it was going back to 2001. So I had cancer and rapid-growing tumours and I needed cancer treatment in okay. a timely fashion. So what happened was I couldn't get a bed, couldn't get my treatment. So what I did was I took a case against the state, the Department of Health, okay. anybody and all, um, to, to just to avail of my bed and my treatment. It wasn't available in the public system, okay. but I felt it was my constitutional right, my legal right to get mm-hmm. my care. So the state actually was after the high court decided that the state be instructed to mm-hmm. provide my care within a private hospital. And did that happen? It, 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 unfortunately, the private hospital hadn't the ability to administer the chemotherapy I needed. Mm. But the fact being that there was, as my solicitor said, they've been instructed to issue a blank check. And this is the argument that's been made about the nursing home scenario. Exactly. Now, I wasn't looking for money and I had nothing. Money was never past hand. Oh, yeah. Mine was just to get my treatment and my care. But it's, it's been driving me mad. I've gone around in the car driving, listening to the story. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking, surely to God, this has to be a precedent set. The case that went for me in 2001, because I remember the solicitor at the time saying that it was. And, was and the, it, it, were you in court, Jeanette, when it was being argued back and forward? I was sitting at home with a bandana on the head, terrified yeah, I was going so. to die, no, no, and that no, they weren't no. going to get me a bed. So, no. I just but wonder, what did the government ar- what was the government's argument against the application, or did you just accept it? I think they accepted because the state had a legal right to provide me with my care in a private hospital if they couldn't facilitate my care and my life-saving treatment within a public hospital. So, Joe, I don't know about what you think, but it makes perfect sense to me that this would be a precedent for all of these families whose families couldn't avail of of treatment and care in a Mm. public bed. It's the same. We're talking about care and treatment and dignity and respect within a system of our health care that it was should be provided in a private sector. But the difference in the nursing home scenario that's been put forward, and, and we'd welcome calls from people affected, um, and I said this on Monday as well, um, the difference is that the, 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 there was money involved. If you had been... And I, I know there's, of course, money involved in, in chemotherapy, Jeanette, but the, the, there, was money, there was money asked for that mm-hmm. medical card holders who went into private nursing homes had to... Now, I know the Fair Deal came along. That answered a lot. That addressed a lot of the issues. But they, they had to make a contribution. And the argument that seems to... The argument that's emerged from this whistleblower is that the Department of Health knew that they, couldn't, that, that they shouldn't have been asking for contributions from medical card holders, regardless of where they, they 
be it a private or a public nursing home. So they shouldn't have been asking for money. They did ask for money and they did get a contribution. And the, the one figure uh, uh, thrown around was that the amount of money um, paid up by medical card holders in private nursing homes could come to 12 billion. But where, uh, where are those people? Yeah, I mean, where the are thing the calls? Is, I think the thing is, it's, in Ireland, we have there's an embarrassment around things like this. You don't want to be seen to put your head above the water. But mm. I know, for me, and I know if it was my family and my parents are both alive, thank God, in their 90s, I certainly wouldn't be sitting at home let it happen because silence changes nothing, as we know, and it will continue to happen. And I think if nothing out of dignity and respect for our parents who've worked really hard all their lives, you know, and I think we owe well, it to what about Yeah, but what about... I know there's... there's um, what about the, the people the people that might say, okay, we paid X amount while our mother or father was in, even though they had a medical card, in the private nursing home. They've passed on, unfortunately. We've moved on. If we're now to go and try and claim back, we're going to have to hire lawyers and money, money, money. Uh, houses in Tuscany, Tuscany, Tuscany. Why? You know what I mean? They're saying... Well, let it let it go, as Idina Menzel might say. Let it go, like at this stage, because we're only going to be taking money. Most of the lawyers are going to be taking most of it from the state if we start making claims. Well, all I can say is I didn't have to pay myself. It was paid. Yeah. Obviously, the, the state and the Department of Health and whoever else was involved had to pay the fee. I didn't. Well, you were in the mid- you, you were in the middle of it as well. Yeah, I so. paid nothing. I mean, they obviously put yeah. in the solicitor put in their fee into the state, obviously for this because the case was mm. won. Um, but I mean, the thing is, at the time, I was a medical card holder, but I'd worked since I was fifteen. Mm. And I mean, as far as I was concerned, I needed my health system, and it wasn't there. For and me. when that you when line. when you initially said, "I I I need treatment. I don't care where you give me treatment," the reaction was, "What? I'm sorry, we don't have a bed in the public system." And we off. don't have a bed because I didn't have private health insurance. I was depending on the public system. It was overcrowded as it is still today, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, I was waiting on treatment. I was being told I'd wrapped growing tumours. I was told it was timely that I had to have my chemotherapy. And, and thank God I had very good consultants who were supportive of me and staff in mm. the hospital were very supportive. But I think that's the, the thing is we're all paying into this. There shouldn't be a fear around doing something about it. I think if we don't speak up and do something about it. And I would hope that the precedence that I set as a cancer patient, absolutely shaken in my boots at home, never went to court, um, would have meant something. And was it publicised at the time, Jeanette? It was everywhere at the time. And again, it, that was, you know, for me, it was embarrassing. I had no hair. I was wearing a bandana yeah. and my face was all over the place in RT. And I, I was on yeah. your show at the time, yeah, Joe. But yeah, I remember, yeah. Like, it, it wasn't about that. It was just about, I just found my voice and I just thought, I ain't sitting here letting this happen. And, you know, a lot of the heads and the bodies that were around the table at the time as our politicians are exactly the same ones who are around at that stage which is even more infuriating for me because it just really is so stagnant in that system, in the political system, that we the same people, same things happening, mm. same thing with patients suffering and our elderly suffering in the system, and it's just heart-wrenching. Okay, say with us, Jeanette, back after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Jeanette, I should ask you, how are you now, by the way? <laughs> Would you believe to the day? Uh, I'm great, thank God. Brilliant, I've had cancer brilliant. again, but still 
Adela. Get back again, thank God. And, you know, that's the thing. The system, when we get in and it works, is fantastic. And probably most of the people, that's probably part of the thing, Joe, I think about that, mm. that the nursing home, the staff looked after people so well that they feel that this is some sort of, you know, I suppose something that is hitting back at them when it's not yeah. that, you know what I mean? That's what happens to... Well, you're a great, you're, you're a great warrior. Um, you, 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 you were going way back and still are, obviously. You're a great warrior. I'm thinking the same Bridget or Bridget, uh, whichever incarnation of the, the, the saint or the inbox that you want to uh, portray. But you're a great warrior in the weekend, uh, the bank holiday weekend, that we are celebrating a warrior and a goddess. But, Jeanette, that's good news. That's good, that's good news. And I've, uh, maybe I'm wrong. I do remember, weren't we, in very Veritas Bookshop in uh, Abbey Street in Dublin. And were we launching? Didn't you write a book? I did. I wrote yeah. a book that was just cancer. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Last and time. Fairy Tass was beautiful and it was a great atmosphere. Flowers everywhere, beautiful fragrance. The place was great. It's just great to hear you again, Jeanette. Thanks, Amelia uh, Joe. And thanks for contacting us. That's uh, Jeanette Take Bourne. Care. Good Amelia Margaret. And uh, I can't think of a more uh, apt uh, woman to end the programme on this weekend when we're having a first public holiday in the history of the wide earthly world and in Ireland uh, marking a woman. So enjoy the weekend ahead. Sheila Newell was the on-sound broadcast coordinator, Shane Galvin, and the series producers, today's producer, Annette Egan. Ray Darcy is next. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie